Welcome to the podcast. We're street smart, business smart, all kinds of smart people share their insights into the world of marketing, career journeys, and personal growth. So sit back and prepare to get enlightened with your host, Adam Posner. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast where I bring you the best and brightest from the world of business, marketing, and personal growth to help you harness your inner tenacity and drive your career forward. Tribe, I am very excited to introduce my guest today, Michael Farber, co-founder of Breakout. And for those of you unaware, Breakout is a national community of diverse grassroots leaders and entrepreneurs across 25 plus American cities whose mission is to champion change makers. With a platform of events, original content, and funding, Breakout has been recognized for its work in giving underrepresented talent a voice. And these multi-day events, which I am long overdue, the coincidences, the, the, all the scheduling snafus I'm long overdue to attend, are held all over the country and focus on the history, people, and places of host cities. And over 100 changemakers fly in and participate in a series of activations co-created with locals and spread throughout the community. They literally take it to the streets, and they've been held in Baltimore, Newark, Tulsa, Philly, Chicago, and Atlanta. And this year, alongside Jim St. Germain and Eddie Washington, Michael launched the Honestly Speaking podcast, where they talk about race, culture, and a dab of history. We're going to talk about all that. Michael's my man. I'm really excited to have him on. Michael Farber, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, thank you. God, I'm exhausted. I feel like I'm doing too much shit. I it, it's a you're, you're, that you're, intro, I was like almost embarrassed you're like really that's that no listen man you you've certainly done it all but let's bring my tribe up to speed here cool. before we get into breakout I think it's important to rewind a little bit and talk about your career trajectory now I don't usually go back this far but it's always interesting to know like you know let's go to college I want to understand like how many drugs you did no we're not even going to get into that <laughs> I really want to understand, you know, what, what you went to college for, and yeah. I love telling that story um, and giving people a peek behind. Yeah, I mean, the simple is I grew up in the D.C., Maryland area, uh, and I ended up going to George Washington and Foggy Bottom in downtown D.C. Uh, I went there to study international affairs. I grew up being just my family always was talking politics around the table. It's funny because most people, I guess, never want to talk politics, but our family only spoke politics. I don't know. I think it's partially my mother's family. They're, my mother was an immigrant from Bolivia. Came here when I don't know. She was like eleven or twelve, um, and just the different things that our family had gone through in Spain and Bolivia and all the stuff. Just politics and these issues were just something that had been a part of their life. So it did not change once we came to the states. Um, so yeah, I went to GW for international affairs. You know, was uh, had some government internships. Interned at USAID, which is Agency for International Development, and Africa Bureau. But, you know, it's kind of funny because there's all this hoopla on unpaid internships these days. And funny enough, I did not get paid working for them. Yeah, me neither. Um, so I was just a, a grimy promoter in college. That's, that's how I, I paid the bills. And the funny thing about anyone who's done that job is you, you learn a lot. You don't realize it at the time because it's just like this funny thing. You're throwing parties. You're making more cash than you deserve. Um, and it was just like a fun social thing to do, especially at GW, because we didn't really have frats. So if you went to a big state school, this parties. wouldn't have made sense. Like the frats and the big state schools run parties, but there wasn't really fraternities, um, sororities. They, they didn't have like campus housing. So the promoters controlled the party life, and, and that's how I got into it. So 
that was, you know, uh, was writing like papers on all sorts of international relations during the day. And then I was flying around or, we, you know, we obviously had Facebook or we started getting Facebook, I think around like sophomore, junior year and just pushing uh, through Facebook party promotions. It's funny, right? You look back in college and like all these things that you didn't think were teaching you anything. They were, I mean, so many soft skills. A lot of soft skills. I mean, you know, we're like negotiating deals and contracts with owners. You know, it wasn't just, you know, whether we were getting a rip of the door, were we getting exactly. percentages of, of overall the revenue? Barn, what yeah. was the better way to do it? Um, you know, managing a team. I mean, there was all these little things that you don't think about. Um, but yeah, there, there was a lot. And also there's just a tenacity to just being a builder, which just comes back to entrepreneurship. So um yeah, that, that was what I was up to. And yeah, that was, that was a bit of my quick snapshot of my college story. Right. So when you were in college, were you thinking about what the hell you're going to do when you came out? Yeah, I was. And, you know, almost all my friends were in the business school. Um, and so I was around a lot of them and a bunch of them were all going into commercial real estate. And so I came into college with um, like a year's worth of like AP credit. So coming into my senior year, I was like, I don't want to graduate early. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm having too much fun. fun. <laughs> what am I doing here? So I made a deal with my parents because I basically like waived like a year's tuition. I was like, well, let me stay. Let me like, I don't know what I'm doing yet. Let me at least. And so I, what I ended up doing was I ended up taking like, you know, one random class. I, I had like one random class I had to finish up. And then I took like some sort of business elective. And then my second semester, I started interning in commercial real estate, which I knew nothing about. Hmm. But all I knew was all these people were doing it. And I honestly... I had always had somewhat of a business interest. Uh, my father's, you know, my uncle were small business owners where we grew up. So we, we always had a relationship talking about business and stocks and different things. Um, and he, he was like, hey, like an old friend of mine works at this, this place, Cushman Wakefield. I haven't talked to him in forever, but you should just like literally like hit him up and just drop my name. And so I called this guy up who was like really high up in the office and he was like, Barber, holy shit. I haven't heard that name in years. <laughs> and he was like, come on in. And I chatted with him and he was like, look, I think you should get an internship here. We don't really hire out of college. Uh, but I think this would be a good opportunity for you to learn. Like you need to go talk to another department because I don't hire for that. But if they bring you on, I think this could be a good launching pad for you to get into the industry. So I ended up doing that and um, I got it towards the end of the second semester. And I ended up working there through the summer while I was interviewing for jobs right after graduation. And lo and behold, someone uh, ended up getting promoted in one of the early in like the junior analyst roles. And since I was already there, they liked me and they kept me on. So uh, yeah, just that things like that are important. Yeah. And how long were you at Cushman for? I was there for almost three years. So I was there like 2006, 2009. So I was there for about a year of great real estate growth. Mm -hmm. And then the sky started falling in 2007. Yep. We had Monday sales meetings and our debt and equity guys would come and talking to the investment sales guys who I was working more with, who were basically selling these big buildings for these crazy numbers. And they're like, we don't get what your guys are selling for. This means not like this doesn't make sense. The credit markets are shit. Like this is all going to blow up. Suspect. And uh, a year later, they did blow up. So exactly what um, happened. Yeah, it was it was it was a great time, and then not a fun time. <laughs> so where'd you pivot to after real estate? Well, I stayed there through 2009 mm -hmm. because I was so cheap for the team that they, even <laughs> though there was like, I was I went through like three or four job layoff rounds. Uh, they needed someone like me because they needed still someone to do a bunch of work. So all my bosses were miserable, and while I was doing that job. 
Um, I'd actually early on met uh, this kid whose father had started this real estate media company called BizNow, which was their last name. Um, and it was like a People magazine thing. Their last name was BizNow? Yeah, it was like the- It wasn't I, like a play on like BizNow. No, and, and everyone always oh. would write like, later on email like b-i-z-n-o-w but their last name was b-i-s-n-o-w um fun and, fact and so yeah it was like the, the, the right thing but the father had basically worn many hats in the dc scene from politics to lobbying and he was friends with a bunch of people in the real estate industry and he was like running around with a camera taking pictures and writing these little like cheeky newsletters and a lot of people hated on it at first but as a young because they were like god oh, like it's trying to be funny it's not yada yada as a young analyst, I got to know what everyone looked like and what they and like what they were about, and it was incredibly helpful for me. So, long story short, after like a year and a half of the son and his friends like asking me to quit the company, I was at a concert at the 9:30 Club, which is kind of this like famous music venue in D.C. And around 3:30 in the morning, decided to quit. Went in the next Boom. day, quit, and then moved up to New York two weeks later um to launch biz now across the country building out this event platform that was like very nascent they'd only done two events at that point um and so yeah that was my next step yeah and and then how, i mean how do we get from that to breakout let's let's fast forward on that one man yeah so the fast forward is i spent four and a half years building biz now as like the head of national growth and expansion and basically built out a whole platform of events that went from like just doing a few events in dc to 26 markets across the country lived in Chicago and LA and had an office in San Francisco. And so, you know, we went from a few of us to almost a hundred of us and it was this bootstrap, uh, kind of like mini MBA, if you will, you know, from 25 to 30. Uh, but at, towards the end of it, I was like, okay, my name's on the door. This is the business thing. I feel like I'm the owner, but I'm not. Um, and I wanted to create events for things that I felt like mattered to me. And even though I appreciated what I had learned in real estate and my real estate friends, it just wasn't the thing that really drove me at the end of the day. I enjoyed just building something and I felt like I was plateauing and not learning anything new. So uh, I started um, just hosting like salon gatherings with friends, trying to figure out like what the F was I doing or what I wanted to do next. And very quickly I realized I kind of had, I guess like uh, a good grasp on bringing good people together mm -hmm. and creating, you know, um, conversations people wanted to be a part of. And so next thing you knew, after six months of kind of like doing this on the side, it was all I was thinking about. I had this list of a few hundred people. And then uh, in the spring of 2014, I, you know, I, I left with a coworker of mine uh, to launch Breakout, uh, which is what I've been working on now for the past five years. And it was either the dumbest or the craziest thing, but we had always wanted to create an event experience that you didn't just land at a conference, you know, it's always like those awkward first hours. Exactly. So we, um, we chartered a 737 through Southwest Airlines and put a hundred New Yorkers on a plane in April, 2014. Uh, and, and you know, where else do you bring uh, New Yorkers when it's still a little bit cold and you bring them to Miami? That's right. Um, and that's how we kicked off breakout. So let, what, what was that initial, you know, when you wrote your, your charter documents, your constitution, what was that mission statement when you first got started? Yeah. I mean, we, there was, <laughs> we were alpha, like we weren't even beta uh, in starting this, but what we did know, you know, the word breakout, the reason we ch chose it was we wanted to break people out of their typical routines uh, and bring them into places where they could be vulnerable and find inspiration. And we just found that um, so many people were so siloed off into their industry and, and not for any reason, it's just like they were doing well and needing to, to you know, blinders on. The ladder. And they were just in the zone. Yeah, um, blinders on. 
and blinders on, but um, we knew that there, especially the way that people were starting new businesses and entities in this new kind of business climate, um, there was just so much power in being able to know, you know, someone in advertising, know someone in fashion, know someone in venture, know someone in the nonprofit world. And whether it was a direct business mean or made you a better leader or whatever that ended up being, um, we also knew that the typical conference model, no one wanted to go to. People wanted to be somewhere where they were actually excited actually made real relationships. And if we flipped it upside down and didn't really talk about business, but talk about things that mattered to people, they would find ways with the people they enjoyed to find ways to create business. So yeah. that, that was the initial kernel of what we wanted to do. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, there's a quote that says around breakout, and I absolutely love this quote. It says, quote, to connect with a community by engaging with it deeply is to truly know it, its people and its soul. Yeah. Some, one of our community members said that our community people are so much smarter than us. They're, they're always dropping jewels. I'm like, God, I wish that's a good one. That. I, I heard that one. I'm like, I got to talk about it. So let's talk about the early days of breakout. I mean, what was yeah. a fundamental mistake um, that you guys made? And then you course corrected on to really define the future. Um, I don't know if it was, I mean, maybe a misstep. Yeah. yeah misdirection, well, change of direction. Well, I guess it was more just general learnings was we, you know, one, we didn't know what we wanted to do with the group at first. Um, and I think the number one thing that allowed us to really grow in the early days was truly finding the purpose that we want it to be. And so, you know, the, the second, third and fourth events were New Orleans, uh, Detroit and Baltimore. And, you know, we lost probably some of the people who wanted some of the like ritzier things. And quite frankly, some of the people that could afford higher ticket prices. Yeah. Um, so we early on probably took a dip in like some of the people who were important early revenue for us. Um, but I think it was important to dive deeper into what really mattered with the content that was going to make us stand out. And what that was, was not just creating like a high end um, kind of like adult camp for leaders, which was Miami, which was more about like small groups, right. and vulnerability, and just about them. Uh, the next events were really spending real time in community getting to know grassroots leaders who are making true change in their cities and making them the true you know focus point of the programming while still having intimate vulnerable to giving to our leaders. Um, but you know that wasn't initially mm -hmm. obvious to us uh, it only took you know it took us actually having human conversations <laughs> over and over again in these cities and being like holy shit these are the stories that matter um, this is going to take a lot longer for us to do well um, and it's not like, you know, it's not like a venture scalable like model, but if well, the impact's we, greater, the impact's greater. And we wanted to create a great fucking problem, a product. We didn't want to do something that everyone else had done. And we wanted to do something that was genuine to us. Um, right. So that's, that's something that I think is really when people who've been to breakout talk about it, I think our authenticity stands alone. And, and that was what we had to transform into early on. That's critical. And, and, you know, our, our buddy, Chris Adamo, who connected us, I mean, he really is, is the bridge in that gap. And, you know, I, I'm waiting, I'm, I'm going to be at my first one soon. I, I promise you we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit, but how do you, how do you decide which cities you want to, you want to take breakout to? Yeah, well, so early, I mean, now it's definitely, we, we, you know, we're, we're growing a proper business. We have, you know, we, we've looked for the right partners and the right alignment, but early on, um, while part, you know, kind of the bigger partnership dollars are still evaluating us, it was really a bit of, you know, kind of just what felt right and also what was unique, I think, in current news, right? So, you know, 
after New Orleans, we went to Detroit and Detroit was in the middle of the bankruptcy, right? Yeah. Thousand abandoned homes, people not being able to pay for their water bills. It's crazy. You know, people, and we took people in the summer and, you know, New Yorkers are going to the Hamptons or wherever the hell else people are going. And then we had this group of almost 150 telling all their friends that they were going to Detroit. And everyone's like, wait, you're going to Detroit? You're pay- like, and you're paying for, and you're paying to go to Detroit. And you're paying to go to Detroit. <laughs> and I, I, I think that was such, I, I always say that Detroit was really our first event in how we do things now. And I think that was such a seminal moment for us. And then the event afterwards, you know, we were like, well, where do we go to next? But while we were doing Detroit, the riots in Baltimore happened, you know, I'm from outside of Baltimore and, you know, Baltimore people know it for the wire and, and it typically is kind of like not great yes. things. But just to pause on that, in my humble opinion, The Wire is the single best piece of television ever created. I would not disagree with you. It's phenomenal, uh, a phenomenal, phenomenal piece of art. But that being said, if that's all you know about Baltimore, it's impossible to not be like, man, Baltimore, yeah, that's some tough stuff. And by the way, that stuff is true, but there's a lot to Baltimore. So we're like, shit, mm-hmm. you know, with everything going on right now, um, and we're saying our mission is to champion change makers and, and, and kind of be build you know, building these bridges in between ecosystems, what better time to go to Baltimore than actually right after the riot. So that's how we chose to go there. And then, you know, different things happen along the way. But as we've evolved, you know, we've realized there's a great story to be told in almost every city. Mm-hmm. So we look for thoughtful partners who are going to let us like actually create uh, what we want to create and kind of go from there. That's interesting. And, and, and you mentioned that there are those aha moments, those real kind of shining stars. But what is one that really stands out to you? What is one that like makes the hair on your arm stand up that knows that you are fulfilling your purpose and mission? What was, what was that one event, one moment? Oh, my God. There's, there's so many different ones. Um, or a couple if you want to share. Yeah, I mean, well, I'll, I'll start with Detroit. I mean, I would say you know, we had befriended uh, a friend, a guy who's now become a good friend of ours named Sebastian Jackson, who uh, him and his wife um, started up a barbershop called The Social Club. And he's gotten two of them now. He only had one when we met him. Um, and he had like built most of it through like reclaim wood. And he did all these really cool sustainable things and um, was able to build a super on a budget. It's at Wayne State University. And, you know, he, uh, he created these shop talk conversations where he brings in people to get their haircuts, their leaders in the community and allows people to come in. And so we had done, uh, we partnered with Shinola during that weekend and we had like a bunch of bikes and we had like this like bike crew cruising all around the city and we rolled uh, to his, his, his uh, barber shop and, you know, we had God knows how many people from the community plus our group and we're all sitting in there and we're having this, this cool barber conversation. Um, and this is after like months of us already like, starting a friendship so it wasn't just like some random speaker we were in this together it was something we had created together it was a real partnership and it was like man this this just feels special this is like this is the track we want to go on um you know fast forward it was authentic it was warm it was a conversation with someone you already knew it wasn't a cold call no it wasn't a cold call and a lot of these event companies they don't meet the person until they actually see them at the conference and these are people that we spend months, you know, we're, going, we're getting drinks, we're getting food, we're meeting up at all the same coffee shops. It's, there's so much more to it. Um, and, you know, moments like that, you know, are, are really powerful. I mean, one of my favorite moments, um, God, there's so many, but one we had in Atlanta, we did um, with Ambassador Andrew Young, who was, you know, an MLK contemporary uh, mayor of Atlanta, built the airport there. I mean, he's like a civil rights legend. He's like, 
86 now. I wasn't sure if we were going to be able to get him. And we had him at historic Ebenezer Church where MLK used to be a pastor. And we, we'd had all these different talks and activations throughout the event. But his daughter is the head of ACLU of Georgia. And I was interviewing them and bringing them on board. And he was telling just stories from, you know, growing up and, you know, and then being in the 60s with, with, with Dr. King. And you're history, sitting there, I'm like, where, a life. Where, like, where did I, how did I get in this position? Like, what, <laughs> what is happening here? Um, you know, so, and meanwhile, I was emailing with, you know, Bernice King, who's Dr. King's daughter and trying to figure out how to get her in the mix. And it was just, it, it's very, sur- like, these moments have been very surreal. And quite frankly, there's too many to say, but you know, those were two that just jumped out to me. That's awesome. And there's another side to breakout, not just the events. It's uh, the grants as well. And I believe in your first two years, you've granted uh, breakouts, granted 50 change makers, close to 90,000 in grants across the country. Let's talk a little bit about those grants, what yeah. they're given for and the change in impact that they're making. So we were meeting people. Um, and, you know, these are people that are speaking on local panels and celebrating all the local papers. And then, you know, we'd be having like a beer with them and they'd be like, I, you know, I barely can pay rent. I just got this grant, but it has to go all through my program. I'm paying myself X. And I was like, shit, like we, <laughs> this is brutal. And what we found was some of our attendees were writing checks. You know, they would hear about some of these projects and were writing checks on the side. And so we ended up with one of uh, our attendees starting a 501c3, the Breakout Foundation, that we made it a strictly grant-making vehicle, and it's unrestricted, which means that like, we can give it to people and say, hey, go buy yourself a nice dinner, pay do what, you, rent, do what you need to. Do what you need to, and we're not going to tell you how to use this money. And we wanted to do something where there wasn't like a whole grant process and all these things. So um, we first were giving just people like checks directly to people because we already like had so many we we kind of go up to them and be like hey like if you had an extra 1500 or 2500 bucks like what would you use it for and they're like well like i need it for x y and z and then like a week later we're like here's a check boom we got you um you're santa uh, claus man yeah so about a year and a half ago we decided you were like look you know uh, there, there's you know a famous quote that the people closest to the problem are closest to the solutions and we're like, shit, like that is our community. We've met them all across the country. And we have about 8,500 people, many of them, or the, like these specific individuals like following us on Instagram. So we started doing these monthly challenges where we would say, hey, we're doing something in education. Or hey, we're doing something for artists. We're going to give 2500 or $5,000. Nominate your favorite people. The second you tag them in, they've been nominated. That's it. So it's, easy, a, so it's a 48-hour process. Our team compiles like our top 10 to 15 and then from there, we have a board vote. And within like a week or a few days, we make an announcement online who gets the money and we get them the money immediately. We do a story on them on our social and then we get them to a breakout event. Um, That's awesome. And it's been really cool to see uh, because one, so many of the people we're giving grants to have like never really like won anything like this, let alone sometimes they've never won anything. Some have gotten other grants, but they've never gotten something so eat like this. And the, the coolest thing which always happens is they now have like a new family. So they get to come to their events, make like friends build with the community. It's know? community building. It's community building. And a lot of the people we're, we're giving grants to, like they don't, they don't come from positions or families where they have friends and family rounds they can lean on. And you know this as an entrepreneur and a creative, like to be successful, so, or at least the majority successful people, they, they've, whether they've come from privilege or not, they have circles where they at a minimum can ask a certain amount of money to raise to get going and test their idea. If you don't have that, it's so insanely tough. We had a guy, um, I mean, just wild seeing some of the grit. 
he stood out in the cold rain and got like the Philly news to report on him for two days and raised $30,000 basically from his community from like thousands of people um, to buy this like ramshackle townhouse that he's been like renovating with like just people's time to make a community center in North Philly. But like, those are the type of people that we're discovering. And so we gave him an extra $2,500 to go to from the materials. But then we also made his like house, like part of our program when we took break out there. Um, so it's been really cool to see all the different things. And we're now at a stage where, you know, we've given these 50 grants and we're looking to raise a lot more money because the people we're giving these thousand, 2,500, 5,000, they really need five, 10 and 15,000. They need bigger numbers. They need bigger numbers. Make a difference. Yeah. But, you know, we don't, we don't expect so much from them, but the people who do give us money do expect, uh, you know, case studies and things. So we, we, we uh, you know, we're, that's where we're at right now, but it's been so cool to really grow that part of, of our impact. I mean, it's really, you know, you've created this secret sauce of, you know, philanthropy, community building and, and, and entrepreneurship. I mean, what, a, what is that secret ingredient? I mean, listen, I, I, I'm in the zone of all these events, whatever, you know, all the other ones that are in this same universe that you and I both know, yeah. but you're just so unique and different. I mean, what do you think that special sauce is? I think the special sauce is, and speaking, I'll just speak to myself, but it's anyone we hire or work with the same way. We truly care about the subjects and the topics and the issues. It's not just like we had a good idea, we saw an opening in the market. Yeah, this is cool, let's do it. This is fundamentally the things that we think about, we read about, even when we're not quote unquote working. Um, and you can't bullshit authenticity, especially to community people, especially like, I'm, you know, I, I might have a Hispanic background, but like yeah. I'm, a white, I, I'm white, I look very white, like no one's, no one's looking at me being like, oh, I get it. Your mom's Bolivian. Like you've got a hall pass here. Um, and so the thing that, you know, has always gotten me through is like the more people get to know me, they see that like, I really give a shit about this stuff. And I like to say that I under promise and over deliver. I, a ton of people that do this type of impact work, especially white people, like it's all sorts of over promising, a lot of name dropping, all these different things. I try to do none of that. I try to just show up and figure out how we can work together and do things that are tangible to build trust. And then everything else kind of is just manifested from there. I love it. And you just answered my question. I was going to ask you what authenticity means and you just defined it, man. What does the word community mean to you? I don't know what the word community means. I wish I had a smart response for that, but, um, way to be prepared. Yeah. Way to be prepared. <laughs> are the key ones, you know, what I always love about people that describe the breakout community is they use the word family a lot. Um, and it's not something that like we tried throwing on them, but they really do. It's not, look forced. At it. uh, it's not forced. And, you know, because it, it's funny when there's so many people creating like community businesses. And I sometimes cringe about that because a lot of these community businesses are just like cool high end dinners and, you know, just hanging and pictures and all these things. But they're not doing anything. <laughs> they're not doing anything. We're like our community, like, I don't know, they're stylish as shit. And they're like really cool too. But people are rolling up their sleeves and actually figuring out how to, you know. Um, they're solving problems. Move their, they're solving problems and moving their communities forward. And to me, um, that is what our community is about. And, and that means everything to me. It's not just some like tokenized millennial buzzword. Um, it, it truly is a group that's looking to put others forward and be there for each other. That's so. fantastic. What's on the horizon 2020 for Breakout? 2020, we're going back to Tulsa, which, you know, anyone who's watched Watchmen probably has a little peek into why we love Tulsa so much and, and why we're so just intrigued by Tulsa. Um, 
we're going to be announcing uh, breakout Newark in January, which I'm super excited cool. about. Newark City that get, does not get any love. Um, one of the poorest large cities in America, right outside of New York so City. So close to home, yeah. So close to home, so much history, a lot of just really powerful narratives, big immigrant population. Um, so we're really excited about that. We have a new film that we're going to be airing um, on our friend Leon Ford, who's a part of our Pittsburgh community. About seven years ago, he was uh, you know, wrongfully pulled over by the police and ended up being shot, paralyzed from the waist down. Horrific story. Um, but he's turned this you know, horrible situation uh, into inspiration. And, you know, he's uh, a motivational speaker all over the world. He's done amazing grassroots work in Pittsburgh. And actually, the story isn't about really his shooting, but it's about his healing uh, and about his journey into therapy. Um, yeah. So we're really excited about that. So, yeah, it's, it's events, uh, continuously building our content. Really excited for this Leon premiere. Uh, more grants and uh, well, we got some other things up our sleeves. So. That's awesome. How's how's Brooklyn treating you? Love it. Living in Bed Stuy. Um, as you as you mentioned at the top, I I started a podcast a few months ago with uh, two, two two good buddies yeah. who are also in Breakout and one Jim Saint Germain. He's a, he came here from Haiti when he was like eleven or twelve, but he grew up in Crown Heights, so he likes to give me shit that I'm gentrifying the hood. <laughs> You're but, ruining uh, it. Totally. You're the you're the problem, Michael. I know I'm I'm, I'm the problem. Although I, I get a pass less for me, but uh, you know my girlfriend and partner, she's a social worker in Brownsville, so in med in med, uh, commute sense, um, and she's she's truly doing the real real work. So let's um, talk let's talk about the podcast for a minute. Tell tell us what honestly speaking is all about. What's, yeah, your, pur- what's your purpose? The purpose is bringing three shit talking friends conversations to life. <laughs> Um, the, th- the three of us like have like all come from different, you know, walks of life. You know, I'm, I'm this like white kid from, from Maryland, but with Spanish roots is doing impact work. And, you know, where does that come from? Jim, you know, Haitian immigrant grew up, was in the juvenile justice system. Now, you know, nationally acclaimed author and activist and now filmmaker, Eddie, you know, grew up in like super white New Hampshire, but, you know, oh, you know, went to Howard and, and Hampton HBCUs and, you know, actually works at Genius running their hiring, but is just like a black history buff and just schools us all the time on just these historical parallels that, you know, we think are all new, but of course are just repeating. Uh, and it's literally this podcast. It's good, man. I listened to a couple of them. They're good. They're entertaining. I appreciate it. You know, we, we try to like run a fine line of like serious stuff and also just a bit of that barbershop kind of fun friends feel. And, you know, I think the cool thing is the three of us, you know, however you want to look at race and people and where we come from, we're not monolithic and, you know, we have our different approaches and we all disagree with each other in different ways. And we talk about conversations that quite frankly are uncomfortable sometimes. And we allow people to listen in and, and, and you know, hear real shit. So. Yeah. And you, you create a form for it. No, that's good. And what, what's, uh, what's something that you learned about yourself from this podcasting journey? God, I've learned so many things. Um, you know, <laughs> I get funny notes from like white friends being like, how do you feel comfortable in these conversations? And I'm like, I don't always because yeah, there's, the there's some stuff that quite frankly, as a white man in America, I am not educated or have the lived experiences to speak with authority. <laughs> with authority. So I take a step back. Um, and I think that's just a good reminder of realizing, you know, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I've, I've done a bunch of different things, but there's sometimes it's not your lane and it's important to let other people speak and have the floor. And I think it's something I learned before the podcast, but I think 
I'm like, sometimes they're, you know, adding gym or dropping just gems. And I'm like, damn, I don't know any of this stuff. It's uh, humbling. Podcast is really humbling. So yeah, I mean, cool. I mean, I, that, was, that was a tough part for me too. Like I look back, I mean, I'm almost at 70 episodes recorded wow, in the can. Yeah. yeah, it's been a journey. And, I, and I've had to take a step back and listen. Hmm. Early on, I was talking a lot. I was, you know, probably injecting a little bit more of my own agenda. And then, you know, it started to morph where I would open up and listen more and let people's stories flourish and, and go with the flow more. And that affected me in the business sense as well, right? In the business world, being more open and, and listening and listening before I speak. And that was, uh, that was a big one for me. So let's take it home here. A couple of questions that I ask every guest. I love to get different perspectives and I love to have this knowledge collective. One day I'm going to slice them all together. Um, and kind of make a, a, a digital audio book out of this one. But Michael, what, what is the greatest single piece of advice that you've ever received that you take action on daily? The biggest single, well, I would say during breakout, it's, you know, don't, we don't need a white, another white savior. Um, and I do think about it all the time and so much of what we do, because what that really means is taking a step back. Um, and not trying to solve everything, not trying to, you know, I, I think a lot of the problems we're facing societally um, have not been fixed in the way we've done things over the past few decades. And there's a lot to learn and unlearn. And so it's something I'm always thinking about in every conversation I'm in. That's, that's awesome. And today, what would you say is your greatest professional accomplishment? My greatest professional accomplishment? This is the humble brag part of the show. The um, humble, the humble brag, safe space. Yeah, I'm gonna have a logo, um, a logo made for that. Man, I don't know what my my greatest professional accomplishment. I mean, there there are different ones within different stages of the career that stand out. But I, we're we're still talking about breakout, so I'll, I'll yeah. say the breakout. Um, man, I don't know. I think I would say right now we're we're about to be there with this Leon film. We're just, we're getting a lot of buzz, a lot of festival buzz. It's a whole new thing for me. I come from an event background, but I think being able to start um, growing into a film background and a producer background and something that That's I cool. just didn't think that I would have the ability to do and, and be in the type of circles and getting the type of attention that we're getting, to me has been the most re recent rewarding thing. And, I can, and you know how this goes. There's a lot of things that you're, you're proud of and there's things I've done that are bigger revenue and all this different stuff. But you know when something's really sitting with you that makes you really proud and happy. Um, and it's been this film work. That's awesome, man. I can't wait to check that out. And what would you say is your superpower, right? Like what do you do better than almost anyone on this planet that makes you who you are? I think my superpower um, is really, I think being able I think the reason I've been able to be successful in the different industries, businesses, initiatives that I have done is I'm someone who is generally very curious and that curiosity lends to me being able to, I think, really understand where people are coming from, whatever their profession is. And it's allowed me to really grow bonds in all sorts of unexpected places. I think people are, are often surprised at the wide range of friendships that I have uh, from like industry to walks of life. And it all comes back to my curiosity because the curiosity allows me to be relatable to them. 
because I always have something that I can meet them in the middle with. I'm smiling over here. For those of you listening, I'm smiling because I it, it's resonating so deeply is this skill trait, whatever you want to call it, of, of curiosity. It's so strong and it can't be manufactured. It's inside of you and that drives so much. And I think, I think that's, that's why you and I are buddies. And last but not least, what you do is hard, man. And there's tough days personally, professionally, and there's days you got to dig down deep inside and pull yourself up. And there's other days when you're thinking about this film and this life that you created and this purpose-driven, you know, everything that you do there. Michael Farber, what is your North Star? My North Star? Shit. Got I started thinking about my, my melancholy Tuesday nights. Uh, <laughs> you got me off a track. You know, my North Star is to build, everyone always assumes that we're building a nonprofit. So for, you know, everyone just hears impact, they think charity, they think give back. And I fucking hate that because it's, we've created this whole thing of you're either making a ton of money or you're giving back. And instead of finding a way for people to build things equitably at the same time and together. And my hope is that we can really create, um, it doesn't have to be the biggest, business of all time but a sustaining business with meaning that people say wow they built something that's truly a business in this world uh in this like capitalism like economy um but has an impact and they didn't sacrifice one for the other and that can happen at the same time uh and to me that's important because i think that's something that's missing there's so many people that always are like i don't have time to make an impact i don't have time to make change i'm just trying to do this or that and they always think one has to come with another. Uh, and I hope we can dispel that. I fucking love it, man. Michael, thank you. Where could folks find you? Where could they connect with you? Breakout.today is our website. Uh, most of our updates are at inst on Instagram, though. Just breakout. Um, and yeah, drop us a line. Hope to hear cool, from man. you. And I'm definitely going to connect everyone. And closing thoughts here. I met Michael, I think it's been about five years, through our mutual friend, Chris Adamo. And the three of us have two things in common. We are super connectors and we're creators. We hold relationships and the value of them on a pedestal, and we care deeply about others. Michael and his team have created something really special at Breakout. They truly understand the word community means and how to bring people together to accomplish common goals. And I applaud him for his tremendous efforts to make the lives of people and the places where they live better. And I look forward to finally one of these days joining a Breakout event soon and at least hanging out with Michael at South By again. We'll talk about that in a minute. And I value our friendship, and I look forward to continuing to build it and find ways to help each other grow. Michael, I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Thanks and for having thanks, me on. And, and thanks for coming on. And to everyone listening, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Please remember, take your online offline. This is how these relationships happen. Make it happen. Remember to click, link, subscribe, share. And I appreciate you and I appreciate your time. And catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Wisdom is forever. But for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode jam-packed with more incredible humans. For more info, please visit www.nhptalentgroup.com. <laughs>